What is up, everybody? And welcome to part three of our mini-series, Is the Cure Worse Than the Disease? Today is episode 3A, because we got 3B coming out tomorrow at 11 o'clock. We had a lot of people that were interested in coming on and sharing their stories. So today is all about saving New York gyms. So we have New York gym owners on here. We're going to introduce them. We're going to hear their stories about themselves, about their clients, how has COVID impacted their lives. So it's really important that you guys take a listen. You spread the word about this because it's something we really need to talk about. You got to listen to episode one where we had a landlord on. We had Charlie, the CEO of the United States Fitness Coalition. We had Kevin Godfrey talking about the whole science aspect of it. And we had Eric coming from a restaurant perspective with Sobo. Then we had episode two, where we talked all about special needs and how COVID has impacted them, especially related to the fitness industry, where we had Charles on there and we had Matt. I thank them both for their time. Both of those two episodes were absolutely phenomenal. But today, it is all about saving New York gyms. So we're going to get them all on here right now. Prepare to be overwhelmed, but here we go. We're going to get everyone in here. Welcome, welcome, everybody. We've got a lot of people on this stream right now. Guys, I am so grateful for all of you coming on this today. I know that it takes up a lot of our times. We're all busy. We're all trying to stay afloat. We're all trying to make ends meet. And... One of the last things anyone wants to do is do a podcast for free. No, I'm kidding. But, I'm not getting paid. No, sorry, man. The, the right, I'm out. Out. <laughs> so what we're going to do, we're just going to do a little round robin introductions. We're going to find out where everyone's from, what they do, what kind of gym they own. Because as we all know, gyms in Governor Cuomo's mind isn't just big box gyms. It's from everything from kickboxing to MMA to personal training to CrossFit. So first we got Sophia on here. Sophia, welcome to the show. Hi, Anthony. Thank you very much for having me. And it's nice to be here with everybody else. Uh, my name is Sophia Brogna. I have a kickboxing franchise. I love kickboxing of Franklin Square. It's in Nassau County. For anybody who's not familiar with that area. Awesome. Thank you for that. So I love kickboxing out in Franklin Square. Awesome. And Christina, Christina, welcome to the show. Hi, guys. Thank you for having me, Anthony. Um, we own a Tiger Showman's in Hop Hog, out east in Suffolk County. It's a mixed martial arts facility with kickboxing and jiu-jitsu as well. Awesome. Awesome. Thank you for that. And Mike, Mike, welcome to the show, buddy. What's going on, guys? <clears throat> My name is Mike Romer. I own uh, Force Fitness Club in Ridgewood, Queens. And it's a, it's a full fitness club. I have a CrossFit studio and, you know, spin classes and everything. Uh, so yeah, it's in Ridgewood. Love it. Love it. And Danielle, Danielle, welcome to the show. Where are you from? Thank you. Um, I live in upstate New York in outside of Rochester, Newark, New York. Um, I own Refuel Total Fitness. 
Uh, we've been around for about seven years now, and it started from a very small studio into we do everything outside uh, in school districts and then personal training, group classes, um, weight training, about everything. Literally about everything. Yeah. I love it. And Marcel, Marcel, welcome to the show. Last but not least. What's up, guys? What's going on? Uh, my name is Marcel Oliveira. Uh, I have a Brazilian jiu-jitsu and cardio kickboxing fitness studio with uh, a little bit of workout equipment and uh, personal training one-on-one out here in uh, Nassau, Mineola. Uh, so we got a lot of people from Long Island over here. <laughs> Love it. Awesome, guys. Thank you so much for doing this. So first, I just want to talk about you personally and how COVID has personally impacted your business and then how the shutdowns and the current situation. Just a little reminder for those that are not familiar with New York state restrictions. We're all stuck at 33% capacity. We all have to maintain six feet. We all have to wear masks. And not only do we have to wear masks, we have to wear specific types of masks. We're all responsible for contact tracing and probably the most intense cleaning protocols out of every other industry. So first up, Sophia. Sophia, why don't you just give us a little brief how the shutdown has impacted you and how the current restrictions have impacted your fitness studio? And is it feasible for you to really make ends meet right now? It was already a challenge to make ends meet prior to COVID. Let's add COVID to that and the restrictions. Um, well, first and foremost, 33% at the studio is only about 14 people on the mat for us. 14 people on the mat is no way going to cut it. And at the same time, uh, of course, everybody's frightened and people don't want to come back on the mat, whether... You know, that narrative is out there that, yes, the gyms are dirty. Yes, the gyms are not safe. And a lot of our member base is not back yet. Uh, we didn't know how long we would be closed. So we stopped the automatic payments that were coming from our members about month to two and a half. So we were closed for several months without any income coming in. So we're trying to, for those members that did come back, we're trying to give them back that time that we owe them first so it's it's a you know very difficult time right now and we're hoping that we'll be able to you know get through this difficult time like everybody else is hoping so first it's very difficult to grow a business with just 14 people on the mat um it's more expensive for us to run the studio with those extra cleaning protocols and um it's just all around a much more challenging time right now all right. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Let's go continue this round, Robin. Christina, why don't you go next? Same question for you. Okay. So uh, one of the things I was thinking about while Sophia was speaking is that um, the 33% issue is, is such a problem because in my facility, we, we lost 50% of our students. So in losing so many students, 50%, um, 33% is just another, it's just so detrimental on top of all of that. Um, but one of the things that's really hurt us is our children. We have a huge um, population of children in our school as students. Um, and it was always very important because we uh, taught them self-confidence and discipline. So many of our kids were brought in you know, with their parents with learning disabilities, emotional disabilities, ADHD, the list, the list goes on. And um, unfortunately now, a lot of these parents are scared. And so um, there's really nothing you can do. You know, and so many times we've shown them around virtually on, how, on all the things that we do in our school that are cleaning protocols or whatever, the, whatever it is. 
and they're still scared to come in. So you asked before about, you know, how this has affected us personally. And for my husband and I, who both own the facility, that's the personal level right there where we lost a lot of our children who really need us. The adults need us too with weight loss and nutrition and all of that. But it's the children really that, that have hurt us a lot. We've lost a lot of our kids and we have an, an incredible children's program. So that was, that was the big thing for us. Yeah. I mean, that was all about episode two for us with special needs and kids and how they kind of got that short end of the stick. And it, it's sad because right. I just like you, I'm sure you had those phone calls back in April, May from these special needs parents and the calling us saying, Hey, I need help. Please. Can you just open just for my kid? Is there exception for special needs? And you had to just say no. And that was probably one of the toughest things to do. And now they're terrified. We had a student who was um, going through chemotherapy for leukemia. Wow. And, you know, he was in here all the time for confidence. Either he was sick, so he was left out of a lot of things that he couldn't do in school or whatnot, losing his hair. And this gave him a lot of that confidence back. And now it's just a complete won't come back. And I, and I don't blame them, but that's the whole thing for us is our children. Yeah, I, I couldn't agree more with that. Thank you for that. And Mike, Mike, same question, buddy. Tell us a little bit about how this has affected you personally and is it feasible with the current restrictions? Yeah, I mean, where to start, right? Um, <clears throat> you know, it was just crazy when we shut down and we didn't stop all of our dues. We actually, we kept it going for a month thinking we would reopen. And then after that, uh, we reduced dues <clears throat> to, to half and provided virtual programming and workouts. And we tried to keep everybody on because if we lost everybody, I mean, we probably, we, we just wouldn't reopen. Um, there would be no way to just keep it going. So, you know, we made it through the summer and then when phase four was about to happen, it was like, all right, we made it. And then they, they took us out of phase four. Then they kind of left us in limbo and who the hell, you know, it's, you know, we, we were so uncertain about what anything was going to happen and now we're opened and now the threat of closing again, you know, I'm, I'm uh, or I was in the yellow color of governor Cuomo's, you know, hot zone. So the threat of closing again <clears throat> was upon me and it just keeps everything uncertain. You got to hustle real hard and you just got to keep doing what you got to do. And, but just not knowing if you're going to get shut down again. Uh, at the end of the day, if my landlord wasn't who he is and really willing to work with us, we just wouldn't be open. There's just no way to do it at 33%, no indoor classes. I mean, we have a big outdoor class program, which is doing well, but I mean, the weather's changing. And even with that, there's still not as many classes, which which doesn't make any sense. I don't know if you all agree with me, but it makes zero sense that classes are the thing we're not allowed to do when that's the one thing I can control. I can my instructor can control what you're doing, where you're standing, but they let the gym open and we're basically babysitters watching all these guys run around the gym. And, you know, it, it, it's much harder to control people in a, in a in a fitness center setting than a class. So it doesn't make a lot of sense to me. So, you know, this whole thing is just kind of weird. I think a lot of things don't make sense. There's not a lot of evidence for a lot of the things that they're, they're throwing at us. Yeah, I mean, I couldn't agree more with that. And you said you're in the yellow zone right now. So that means you guys got a little tighter restrictions and watch well, more. It didn't change much for us. I mean, we were, it, it basically didn't change anything. But the threat of hitting orange and closing was, was right there. And that threat alone, uh, as, soon as, he, as soon as he announced the colors and we were in yellow – we had cancellation, more cancellations, uh, less attendance, um, you know, and a lot of people were just like, you know what, Mike, just cancel my membership and we'll, we'll, we'll reach back in the new year and see what's up, which, you know, which hurts. 
because I'm signing up new people. Now, the, the good thing is with signing up new people. I'm hustling real hard to, to sign up new people to replace everybody that's leaving. But it's a battle to 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 keep up, especially when he's doing it. And when Biden goes on to debate and says that uh, bars and gyms are the first things to close if you get the spike, that's not going to help. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we did a whole episode on that. Health and COVID related and obesity and it's yeah. I was scared when I heard that one. <laughs> yeah, I was watching the debate and I heard him say gymnasiums and I was just like, oh my god, Jesus! It's Cuomo and now Biden too. Yeah, the, it's just the fun never ends. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Yeah, it's gonna be a challenging year. That's that's for sure. Definitely. And Danielle, same question. Hold on, let me unmute you. Start over. Yeah. Go for it. Hi. There you go. Um, so my passion is really to work with people. Like most of my clients are 30 to 50 that have that 30 to 50 pounds to lose. Um, and I kind of fit in that when I, I got into the industry. And um, personally, I'm a competitor. I did some bodybuilding and competed last year. And the stress has completely thrown me off my game. Um, and it's hard to lead when you're not where you want to be either. Um, so Personally, you know, that's been one of my personal struggles, but as an industry, the 33% and us being closed for so long, so many of my members struggle with their physicality now. They're scared to come back, not only because of all the restrictions we have, but personally, you know, they put on 20, 30 pounds in a six month period because of their stress. They're worried to come back of the, you know, the shame of it. And, you know, that's been my message lately is we're all starting over, just come back, you know, wear the mask. It's not as bad as it is. Um, because one person gets a loud voice with how bad a mask is, but we have to talk 10 more people to say class isn't so bad with the mask. Uh, so, you know, we're trying to get that out there. Um, and the other large restriction that has really changed my business is our 24 hour center just opened March of 19. Um, before that, it was, that was very, very thin margins. And um, we did some things to, you know, make a living and it was going well. 19 was my best year. The 24 hour center was great. And now, like Mike said, we have to babysit, you know, we, I can't be open 24 hours. Somebody has to be in there. And it's like, no matter what kind of surveillance I have, it totally changed my business. So it's put me in, in a business role to have to redefine how we run business. And, you know, when you have a vision for your business and you're running with it and it's working and, and then you have to change everything. And part of our business too, is we work with the school districts also, of course, that revenue is not coming in. They're not having, we work with nursing homes. Personally, I'm a senior specialist. I, um, I have clients that are 80, 90 years old and they were away from me for six months and they've lost the strength in their legs. You know, it, it's amazing how the body deteriorates, um, especially the retirees that have been sitting and, and looked forward to those senior classes and looked forward to those one-on-one -on -one trainings, you know, when we couldn't open to do uh, professional services uh, for phase two, it was like, why I have a 6,000 square foot facility and I can't bring one person in to help them. This is not even about the money. It's about livelihood. I have a farmer that the reason he has his balance is because of, of me. And now his farm is struggling. And it's like, 
we're there to help people. And when we get the one thing with COVID that has been proven over and over is good health and we can't help people with their health, it's just ludicrous. Absolutely ludicrous. Yeah, I got to agree with you. It just doesn't make much sense, but none of this does. (laughs) We'll dive a little more into that later, but Marcel, last but not least, buddy, give us a little brief how this has affected you and all the fun stuff. Go for it. What's going on, guys? Uh, So actually this morning, I just left the bankruptcy office. Um, I had to shut both my gyms down because we have one big building, but I took it's actually two sections of the building. So it's two different businesses. So one part was cardio kickboxing and the other part was Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Um, and with the 33% rule, the six feet apart, the no contact, the you got to wear this mask and do all this. Uh, while I was reaching out to clients, they were either moved out of the state or so scared to even do anything that they're like, oh, we'll be back by uh, the end of uh, 2021 and 22. I'm like, uh, we might not be around at that point. Um, And unfortunately, with all the bills piling up, uh, I had to uh, file bankruptcy. So we had to shut the business down, personal, and the other business down. So it's actually a triple bankruptcy that I'm uh, filing right now because they didn't give us a chance, you know? Wait, so you filed bankruptcy on all three today? Well, it started last week, but today it was this morning. I had to go get all the paperwork. By the way, don't lose your social security card ever. It's just a mess, a mess that I'm going through right now. Um, Mine's gone. <laughs> yeah, it's, I never thought I would need it, which I learned the number, but apparently you need it. Um, but yeah, so I had to, unfortunately, I had to file for all three. And because we had just started the, one of the new business, we, we got a new facility. So we just moved in about a year ago. And the second business, we just got it off the ground, the cardio kickboxing. So it's only like seven months old and all the equipment, everything, we dropped over $150,000 into it. Um, and yeah, that, you know, COVID didn't help. We finally got the ball rolling. And on my birthday that weekend, the 18th, they go, oh, you got to shut down. So I immediately stopped uh, charging my clients. And I told them like, oh, I'll, we'll survive until the end of April, May, whatever. And, um, you know, beginning of June, I was like, oh, we're screwed, man. You know, so that, that whole trying to keep the building alive and more people weren't coming back, I had to pull the plug, you know, and then started all this whole nonsense uh, of bankruptcy at this point. Thanks, Kumo. I, I got a question for all of you. I mean, I've Marcel just said, anyone else file bankruptcy, close to filing bankruptcy out of here? We're looking at doing some restructure. It's the last thing I want to do. And and there's, you know, we have such a great business and I'm sure all of us do. And we're, you know, shut down bankruptcy, you know, selling less than we want to. Our passions are changed. We've been bombarded. It's like we just came through a war and we're supposed to go back and be <laughs> be the heroes. And we're tired. You know, we're, we're hustling, like Mike said, um, you know, they've taken from everywhere. Um, I think I'm, I'm still in the fight. I'm still, you know, our numbers are rising in Wayne County. We've only, I mean, they say that our death toll is less than 30 from, from the beginning, but the small businesses death, the, the, the cure is absolutely worse than, you know, I hurt for every family that has lost somebody due to this, but the, the struggles Mm -hmm. with not only the business and the landlords, but the 
I'm a mother, I'm a wife, I have children. You know, our families are struggling due to the stress that this has caused us. You know, passion for most business owners is huge. And it, this has been tough, but I'm not, I'm not rolling over. <laughs> and not, not that I say Marcel, I mean, <laughs> I, I, I'm fortunate to have a husband that is in a different position than, you know, than my business. Um, and my business has always been, um, you know, it, like it had no margins before in the last year, it had a thin margin. Um, so it's, it's about community as we all are in fitness, but nobody comes into fitness thinking it's going to, you know, put us up in a penthouse somewhere. <laughs> we get to change lives and um, we hope that we can survive another day to help change lives. Yeah. I mean, I think that's an important tidbit. Uh, Marcel, just a quick question for you. What's up? Did you have any personal assets on the line with your businesses? Meaning if so you got hit personally on top of your business. I didn't, I signed a stupid, uh, what is it? A guarantee, personal guarantee that I didn't even know about. <clears throat> I would never have filed. I would have just, you know, do whatever I had to do, but I, uh, didn't see a little damn thing. that is a personal guarantee. So I have no choice, but to bankrupt it all. And then two, the landlord was working with me. And then he decided to just turn around and be like, no, I want all the money back. And the area that I'm in is not cheap because the building's huge. Mm. Um, and now he's trying to fight that. I'm like, I'm not paying you back. You know, it's, it's impossible. And he owns a supermarket. So when I was trying to work with him, he's like, well, I'm making a lot of money. I'm like, no, I'm not, you know, there's not much I can do. And then he went back. He's like, no, you got to pay me all these months. I'm like, how? He's like, I don't know. He's like, I'm just going to take you to court. I'm like, <laughs> good luck, bro. You know, at the end of the day, it's been over for over six years. We had over 200 people in the building and then, Little by little, this just, just demolished our everything, you know. And make sure when you read contracts, guys, don't sign a personal guarantee. I've ever, never made this mistake in my life. And uh, yeah, you know, now I'm dealing with it. It's not the end of the world, but it sucks. You know, it really does suck at the end of the day. It's hard with landlords because if you don't have an extensive business background, uh, you know, previous businesses, you're going to sign a personal guarantee one way or the other. They're yeah. not going to. Most landlords, as far as I've seen, are not going to let you just sign for the business unless, you know, again, you have a bit, uh, an extensive background. So you get caught up in it. I sign personal guarantees, too. And even though we're not in bankruptcy, or any of us, uh, except for you, but we've all thought about it at this point, I'm sure. Show of hands, who's thought about bankruptcy? We've all thought about what, what's coming and, and how we would handle it. We had to have, you know, you have to think about that mm -hmm. stuff because you got to strategize what happens if this whole thing goes south again. I mean, you got to imagine if they shut everything down again for an extensive period of time, I don't see how most businesses survive. So you better be thinking about it, I think. <laughs> there, there's no way we're going to be able to survive if there's another shutdown. I'm glad, Mike, that even though you're in the yellow zone, but every every day is like another day that you worry that is a member going to call you and tell you they've had, you know, suspected COVID is is an employee going to tell you every day you're on pins and needles, you're worried, you're concerned. And just like Danielle said, we're not in this. It wasn't about making, uh, you know, being high in the sky, as Danielle said. We all went into this for altruistic reasons, was about really taking care and helping people reach their best selves. So I'm not ready to tap it out either, but at what, at what cost, at what stress level, at what, cost to our own health so 
yeah, it's very challenging and, you know, it's easy for the land. I don't want to say it's easy. I think that the landlord also would like to have their money also. And they have their bills to pay. Um, similar to you, Marcel, on landlord, he was always essential. He didn't close. And the other businesses that are on that strip mall also with us, they were food businesses and nail and a nail place. So they were bringing in income previously when we were able to bring in income. You can't compare the two businesses. They're not the same. We were never considered you know, essential. Uh, we didn't open up to after phase four. Uh, that's a long time, six to seven months for us to be closed. Uh, and in my honest opinion, we're all lucky that we're part of this phone call. Marcel, all of us, when we're still at this point, still talking about bringing in the passion that we want for our members. Yeah, Sophia, I kind of want to go off that point and talk to everyone about that. The question of the hour. Okay, it's, are gyms essential? What's, what's your thought and how's your feeling I want to talk about what was considered essential first, the little update. So I don't know about all of you, but I've never seen a Taco Bell as busy in my life as I did during the shutdowns in March and April. And watching that and then watching the liquor stores, I, the guy in my shop is I'm a good friend with him, no complaints. He said he's made more money in March, April, May than he has ever. Yeah. So that blows my mind. But the question, which we'll do a reverse order here. So Marcel, I'm going to go right to you first. Are gyms essential? And what's your thought based upon what was open? And how did that make you feel watching everyone else open and not you? Hell yeah, gyms are essential. Man, I, I know so many people who are obese who are in borderline, like could have a heart attack at any moment. And the only thing they pushed was stay home, wear a mask, don't go out. Instead of saying, hey, guys, work out, take some vitamins. Stay healthy, do something, be active, go outside. No, they forced us to sit in the house. I've gained weight, and I usually am really, really in good shape. Um, when the golf season, I'm not. You know, I like my burgers. But they really scared the hell out of everybody to the point that even till today, people are like, oh, no, the gym's the worst place. I'm like, it's not. Walmart's open. I've literally watched, watched people not wear masks. They made a mess. They don't clean up. We take care of our equipment. We clean it. We, we sanitize everything, you know, so we are in control, but they didn't, they didn't, they don't say that on the news. They just scare you, wear a mask, you know, and, and physically that's, it's bad, but psychologically is what really is killing people nowadays, you know? And to me, the gym is like a, is like a haven. I like to go in there, hit the bags, hang out with the students, hang out with the friends. And that's what actually like makes me feel good, you know? Um, and again, working out is fantastic, but they don't say that. They just want to scare us and make us seem like we are the worst of the worst and watching everybody else's business open while we're just trying to feed ourselves and, you know, our families or whatever. It, it's unfair. Like, like I said, my uh, landlord, he literally goes, Oh, I'm, I'm, I'm making millions right now. And I'm like, oh, thanks asshole. I'm, I'm not, I'm struggling over here. You know, wow. and, and all my gym equipment, cause he owns a uh, supermarket behind my building. So I couldn't even open illegally, you know? So, uh, yeah, watching that, and I'm like, man, this really sucks. It, it really, it really hurts to see that. You know, it's unfair. I kind of want to throw in. I'm going to ask the same question to everyone, but I kind of want to go with Charlie's talking about right now. For those that don't know, he's the CEO of the United States Fitness Coalition. Great guy. He was on our show a couple times. But how do you guys feel about the regulations that Charlie's putting in? I love them, and yeah. I think it's a good idea. And he has a really good point that the gyms that were open were essential because. The governor had control. The governor was able to pull away 
licenses and stuff like that. But how do we help ourselves basically? So our gym's essential and how do we prove that we are and how can we show the state saying, Hey, we're essential. We're willing to do ABC to get there. So Danielle, why don't you answer that question for us? So are we, well, we all know we're essential and like Marcel, you know, obesity is the number one. We were in the number two County of obesity at one point during my seven years of business. And, um, but we have a sign in our front, in our lobby that this is, this is our happy place. So many, we have probably a 95% woman um, participation and, you know, the mental side of, of, physicality and, and the group, you know, we're so separated by our devices that we're humans that need interaction and the 10 minutes before class and the 10 minutes after class, um, that one-on-one -on -one attention when you're working with a personal trainer that you might be somebody that's giving, giving, giving all day long and for a half hour, 45 minutes, an hour, you're getting poured into and mental health that comes along with, with our business is intangible it, it is just so it, it's so hard to express like how sad my people are how i talk to them and you know can't wait to see people in doing zoom classes and and it's not the same thing to reach out and give a hug give a high five you can do it one more time you know it's just not the same thing but i did want to touch back with sophia and you guys were talking about landlords um and one of the things that my landlord keeps pushing is, why aren't you getting the PPP? Why aren't you getting the, the funding? The government is not protecting the little, little guy. I'm a little, little guy. I did the PPP. I'm the only employee. All my people are, are um, independent contractors. $1,800. I want people to understand that these bailouts that we're supposed to be getting and all this stuff for little businesses isn't for a little business. $1,800 isn't going to cover one month of my rent. Um, you know, and it's there to protect payroll, but there's no other um, funding if you aren't a person with great credit. I went through a, um, an ugly divorce that I've always had good credit. I've always paid all my bills, but stuff happens in people's lives. And, you know, the funding isn't there for the little guy. And my landlord is, is talking about helping with the back um, rent and then going forward, being a little flexible, but we can't, I can't nail them down to anything. We're still working on it. Um, but without us, mothers are more stressed. They're drinking more wine. Their kids are, you know, driving them nuts because they're not in school on time people need the outlet and there's just not many outlets. So, you know, bonding together, how can we help ourselves is, you know, support each other. I thought we could open in that phase two and I had a hairdresser call the county on me and she's right in front of me. And I'm like, you have one person. She didn't even think I should be in my business because I walked past her door and she thought I was cross contaminating her. And I'm like, for Pete's sakes, you're locked in your business. And I was meeting a wedding planner, which my weddings were canceled because of COVID um, still got married. Um, but you know, businesses have to stick together and not fight each other. You know, and trust each other that we're doing what we need to do to keep people healthy. We're health professionals. We are not gonna risk our people by doing something that's gonna put them at risk. Um, so, you know, why a hairdresser 
or a, a massage therapist could do massages before we could personally train blows my mind. Thank you for that. And Mike, I kind of want you to address more of the issue of how can we help ourselves? So I heard a lot of good arguments from Marcel and Danielle, but in our industry, a big point Charlie and, and Joe are bringing up is how can we help ourselves? How can we show the governor that we are essential? I mean, we know why, but what can we do to help maybe pa get some regulations passed so the governor maybe feels better because he has more control over us? What are you willing to do and what do you think we should do as an industry to help ourselves move forward so we can get that essential status? I mean, it's 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 tough, I think. It's a tough one to wrap your head around, really. I think at the beginning, to say that we weren't essential, when we thought this was the Black Plague that was going to globally wipe out a percentage of the human population, you know, a, a, a big room full of people probably wasn't a good idea. And so it was understandable to say, hey, well, we're going to shut you down and, you know, we, we can't have this spreading because everyone's going to die. But as the months went on, I mean, I think at some point it's you have to come out of opinion and you now have to use evidence. You have to use facts. And as the evidence laid forward, well, it wasn't a global killer. It does kill people. And I know people who died uh, who got or got very sick, but it's not it's not wiping everybody out. And then now that gyms reopened across the country. Where's the evidence for these massive outbreaks in these in these COVID infested places? There, there, are, there is none. So part of making, I mean, just first, first to establish that where, where, where are the outbreaks? Gyms have been open. I don't think there has been one case of a massive outbreak in a fitness club. And it's for obvious reasons that we all know our gyms are clean. I mean, uh, what we're doing, you know, we're making sure that there's not going to be a spread if there, if there's anybody infected. Um, so, you know, the decisions that are being made are not being made using evidence, number one. Number two, to say we're essential, I mean, part of it could be, I don't know that we all keep records of this kind of stuff, but we, we probably do to some extent, but show the health of certain people and how it changes when they leave a gym. You know, keep records of, of people's blood pressure, their cholesterol, their depression, all these different symptoms, all these different things that are alleviated when they're working out over time and that exacerbate when they stop, whether it was during the shutdown or at any point in the year where someone quits a gym, the, the higher incidence of their doctor visits, uh, having to get on medication. You know, we all know that we get people that come in and they're taking all sorts of medication and they get off lots of it. They all have these horrible health conditions that they alleviate by coming to us. But do we have enough? Uh, written evidence to to show people that or to show you know government that to say we're essential because these are the things that we're doing for the population where we're keeping people from doctors we're keeping people from medicine you know um, maybe moving forward you know the gym industry has never been a uh, an industry that has any uh, organization to be honest w where was the organization before this you know there was there was none. There was none. <laughs> Everybody's in for themselves. You know, there's all these little groups, these consulting groups. I was part of some. It's all splintered. And this is the first time there's ever been one coherent thing. And I don't even, I still don't think it's one coherent thing yet, right? We're trying. Uh, but I think it's getting there in a big way, thanks to Charlie. Um, I think if we do this and then we start compiling all that evidence, all that data, at some point we can show why the fitness industry is, a, is an essential business. You know, and, and something that in cases like this are things that you want to regulate, maybe, but not close down, you know? Thank you for that. I appreciate that, Mike. I, I 
something to really look at and see how we're helping people talk from an essence, like look how much medication we're, we're helping them physically, we're helping them mentally. But I, I really want to go back to this, not this one, wrong one, this one. I think this is what is the biggest difference we're having with a lot of people. So Christine, I kind of want you to talk more about it. We can kick and scream and say, we're saving people's lives. We're doing this, we're doing that. But doctors do the same thing. But with doctors, their license can get pulled if they don't follow the protocols. Liquor stores, they can get closed by the governor if they don't follow protocols. You got restaurants, they can pull their liquor license if they don't follow protocols. Hair salons, massage therapists, they all have a state licensing exam that the governor himself now has control of because in his mind, he needs control of the industry in order to help regulate it. If he doesn't feel like he has control, it makes, them a, it, makes it a lot harder of a decision to include us, which is why movie theaters took so long. They just opened yesterday, which is why that the only reason gyms open is because we sued and we basically won. Like that's the only reason. But if he doesn't have control over us, he'll look for any reason again to close us. So how can we help ourselves? And what do you think we should do as an industry? What's the most important thing we should push forward to help show we're essential and give the governor control? Well, I think it's what a lot of us are doing currently. A lot of us, especially here in this coalition, for the most part, I think what we're doing is exactly that. We have all the cleaning protocols in place. A lot of the stuff that we're doing now, I'm doing now, most of us are doing now, I, we were already doing them. Um, our studio here was squeaky clean. I mean, of course, we didn't have this electric side. We learned, we're, you know, we're moving forward. Um, we're bigger and we're better now in terms of that. But I think what we're doing now, and, and there has to be some trust in us as well. We've been vilified so badly that we just reversing that in people is a really big step. I have friends of mine who are CrossFitters and martial artists, and they've been going and training for years to their facilities. And when I speak to them now, especially when I'm at work, they're like, oh, I'm not going back there. I'm not going back there. There's no way I can go back to my gym. It's filthy. It's this, it's that. And I think it's just that that uh, generalization of gyms and fitness facilities that are filthy, even if they're not, that's been kind of poured into our head from Governor Cuomo, at Cuomo and in general, the media that we're filthy. And I feel like that's what's, I think that's a big hurdle. I keep hearing it over and over. And I, in my head, I, I get really frustrated when I hear that. And then I think about my facility here and I'm like, it's just so not true, but they're so scared. We've been vilified that some of them are unwilling to even take that chance to come and take a look, come and see what we're doing. Uh, trust us that we are doing the right thing because we don't want our businesses. We don't want to lose our business. We want to do the right thing for us. And of course, for our clients and our students in our case, but for us, the loss of our kids is the, is the worst thing. And we would do anything to get that back. For, for the kids. So what specifically are you personally willing to do to help? Like, it's got to be a compromise somebody where with the governor, like you got to look at it from his eyes. He wants total control. He wants total power. He's made that very clear. He's made it very clear. He's doing this based on fear. He said it in an interview. So we have to give and take. So what are we gave the cleaning? And I know a lot of people are against that theory like we want to just open yeah i agree with you i would love bottom of my heart just to get open and i believe we should i did this to save people's lives but in an argument you have to learn to give a little bit to get where you want and then down the line as we fight then we can start taking more back as we're able to prove our point but 
we got to be willing to give in order to take kind of relationship. What are we willing to give? Well, I talk about that, then I'm going to ask Sophia the same question. What are we willing to give? At this point, I would give what is needed, what is needed for my students to feel safe. Um, and I, Charlie made this point a couple of weeks ago. If, if you're not, if you're not uh, having your students, or in my case, students, wear the masks, and then you lose, you start losing your students, you start realizing that you're from 200 students and now you're at you know, 120, maybe they've spoken and they say, well, we feel comfortable with the masks. We want the masks. I'm willing to do whatever it takes to keep my students safe, to keep my facility safe, um, and so that we can go back to somewhat of a normal, somewhat of what we were, what we used to be, so we can function because we're not functioning now. 33% is, is not cutting it. You know, yeah, this cannot go on indefinitely. It's just impossible. So I'm willing to do what it takes to be safe and to thrive, whatever that is. And I follow what we're doing now because I think it works. Thank you. I, I appreciate that. I think, what talking about, I think what Charlie's talking about is the idea that we might be willing to do that, but right. there's 101,000 other gyms, he just said, are not even part of this coalition. You know, it's kind of, I've thought about this in, in years past, like CrossFit gyms, and not to demonize CrossFit in any way. I love CrossFit. Um, but you can open up a CrossFit gym because you were a trainer that paid $3,000 for an affiliate license. And what was the turnover on CrossFit gym? 75% or something like that. They would close down because the person opening it had no idea how to run a business. They just wanted to open up a CrossFit gym. But we live in America and that's the, that, that, that's the dream of where we live. We yeah. should have the freedom because I'm, I'm that little guy that had a dream that worked hard that went to school for architecture you know, not fitness and health. I got in it for passion and I built a business. It's the country. We need to stand on our freedoms too and go, our vote counts. It's a bigger issue than the little things. I have friends that own gyms in other states that aren't controlled like New York is. It's ridiculous. We need to make our vote count and go, one man should not have this much power yes, to exactly. kill the whole state. And we don't have to, as conservatives, or if you're voting against, um, against it, we need to stand together and go, our vote counts, and we don't have to give our whole state over because of New York City. It's ridiculous. It's like Chicago. The whole state belongs to Chicago. If the people stand up and go, this is not right, Democrat, Republican, whatever, one person should not have the right to say who gets to make it in business and not. We live in America where we're supposed to be on dream, you know, live and work hard. We bust our butt to do what we want. You put all these protocols and all these regulations and some of them are great. I agree. Clean. We want our people safe. But it's the it's America where we're supposed to work hard and be able to succeed. And when you have someone that wants to have nothing but control. I don't blame people for leaving this state left and right. I'm sorry. No, no, it's <laughs> I okay. Passionate. I just want to I want to get Sophia's opinion in here because it's it's been a little bit, but I, I think there needs to be a general understanding, guys. Like I've said this before in previous shows. I'm a libertarian. What does that mean? That means I believe in very small government, total power to the people, but we have to have some kind of understanding. We live in a democratic state run by a governor who wants complete control. And arguing and going against someone of power just by trying to turn people's minds. He was voted in. A lot of people voted for him. And a lot of people still feel that way. Where 
if we just say and go ahead, let's say even if they just give us the power and the free market kicks in, which I'm all about, and I'm as I'm as a gin owner say, you know what, screw it, I'm not going to clean, I'm not going to follow any protocols, like it's whatever I want. People aren't going to come to me because most people that live in this state feel like gyms should have control. They feel like gyms should have regulations, and it's just how people feel. So it's important to understand that in an argument you have to give, you have to take. I'm on all your sides. I trust me. I believe free market, no tell the government to get out of my life. But I want to open 100% capacity. To me, it's more important to open up 100%, be able to save people's lives, and I will do whatever I have to give to make sure we get there and our industry survives to see tomorrow because that is what I believe is the most important thing, survive for tomorrow. So, Sophia, what are you willing to give? Like, is whether it's give Department of Health control, have a, a universal personal training cert, which is, by the way, it's something I'm pitching for and I was thinking pre-COVID because I'm a personal trainer. I hate that you can go buy one for 100 bucks. Or in New York State, you don't even need a personal training cert to call yourself one. And I've seen injuries and lawsuits at the wazoo on it. So there needs to be some kind of licensing exam for trainers. I'm willing to give that. I think it should be a thing. Same as a doctor, same as a nurse, same as a uh, attorney. All these other fields have it. What are you specifically willing to do? What do you think we should do as an industry to prove to people we are essential and we will do whatever it takes to open? Hold on. I'll let him meet you. My bad. <laughs> Go for it. All right. So, uh, the argument is not about whether or not we are essential or not. I agree with that, Anthony. We all know that we're essential, and I don't think that needs to be proven. Moving your body is essential, just like eating right and keeping your mind in check on stress levels. We're part of a franchise. We're accustomed to following rules. Part of being a franchise is you operate within the guidelines that a franchise gives you. I've noticed that when people don't stay on that, it's, it's very easy to become scattered you lose that brand unity. So what are we willing to do? No differently than what we did to open. The Department of Health came in to check out the studio. We got a purifier. I think that we have to all come to the table or the heads of the fitness you know, coalition, we have to sit down at the table and really have that discussion. Yes, the Department of Health, if that's who we deem is the right party to come in to check out our studio, making sure that we're following protocols. Um, what protocols are we willing to give? Um, yes, the cleaning mandates are important. The testing to making sure that the biofilm that's on some of the areas, I think it's a very valid and, and real place that we can check. I think having um, people who are trained in the studio who have CPR experience, who know how to take a, you know do the license of the personal certification, I think all those things are important. And I I don't think those are things that are being asked of us that are far-fetched. I think those are important things. If we want to function in an essential realm, we need to come to the table with some things that we all must follow if we want to stay in business. It irritates me that I stay by the book, both as a franchise and as a business owner, when someone a couple miles away from me were doing whatever they felt was necessary. I'm not there to judge them because they have to keep food on their table. But on the inside, it drives me crazy that we're trying to 
have this reputation across the board as a fitness industry, and yet we can't be united. But then again, I have family that's not all united, Anthony, on the same page. It's very hard to get everybody thinking and following the rules so that we can stay in that realm to be essential. So I don't know if that answers your question directly, Anthony, but we all have to come to the table and say, hey, you know what? These are the regulations that we need to follow. We're comfortable with that. And we're going to all have to say yes as a group or no as a group. But I don't know. How I, I agree. That's it, be. it needs to come to some point where everyone needs to be at a table, sit down with each other and talk about it where it's the same thing. Like I'm totally pro police. I'm just going to be straight with that. But it's the same reasoning he was giving with that. Sit down mm -hmm. as a community, come together, figure something out. I believe if we can get mm -hmm. this coalition up to that standard where we have 80, 90% of the gyms, which we don't, but we should. Mm -hmm. And we're the, we're all willing in this group to come together and send a representative to come up with some compromise to get that essential status so we don't get closed again. Because none of us, as we talked about, will survive if we close again. And we are talking millions of people's lives who are impacted. Let's say I take care of like 100 people and then Sophia's 1,000, all the way down the line. We're talking millions of lives. If gyms get closed down, they'll be affected for the worse. But we need to come to the table. We need to say, you know what? Do this. Do that. We're willing to come up and do something. I know it stinks. I know it's like a kicking, screaming. But we have to be essential. Because in all our eyes, like we saw, we all can agree gyms are essential. We all have stories about how we changed people's lives for the better. We all have stories how we had people crying to us because they were able to do something that they'd never done before and they were able to play with their grandkids or live an extra day when they were told their lives were over. We've all seen it. And we need the public to be on our side. And in order for everyone, Republican, Democrat, I don't care who you are, if you want to be on our side, look, we want to give you this to help save people's lives because that's what we care about as an industry. We are all here to come to the table, sit down and figure something out. And you know what? Cuomo wasn't willing to do that. So that's why we're suing him for his executive power because mm -hmm. his rules are arbitrary. Don't get me wrong. They make zero sense about what defines 33%, six feet apart, different masks. You can only get a beer when you have food. Somehow that prevents COVID. But mm -hmm. it, the rules are arbitrary, which is why we're going after it. But then we need to get the public on our side to prove we're essential moving forward. Because if everyone says, don't close gyms, then we will be able to stay open. Then we will have the power to help and save people's lives. So let's kind of go a little round robin on this. I want to talk about the specifics of a personal story from clients you guys have had of people's lives. You've changed. I, I like, I think that people need to understand we're not lunks. We're not a planet fitness commercial. I still hear a lot of people say that. Why do the bodybuilders need to go work out? They can take a couple of months off, but that's not who we're working with. Let's be real. <laughs> so talk to us about a typical client, someone's life. They made an impact for the better. Uh, Marcel, we'll start with you. So just talk a little bit about that. Go for it. So, well, I mean, it's a, it's kind of a messed up story. So, um, 
I had a client and I was like, he was in class. And I was talking to him. I'm like, yo, something's wrong with him. Something's going on. Cause he was usually like a friendly, you know, friendly dude. He's like happy. And I got this really weird vibe. So when they asked him like, yo, what's going on? He goes, well, I'm getting a divorce. He goes, I'm having suicidal thoughts. I got kicked out of the house. I've been sleeping in my car. This is when I it was like two weeks at like he's been sleeping in the car. Then I found out. I was like, what the hell? So the only option I had was I actually let him stay inside the academy. So he slept on the couches. Uh, obviously, there was heat, water, whatever he needed. Uh, Netflix, because if I wasn't around, honestly, I don't think he would have been around today because there was no one in his life wow. that was helping him. He was sleeping in his car and the wife took uh, both kids. The family doesn't want to talk to him. He didn't do anything wrong. Um, it's just that she, whatever their issue was, uh, he got the, you know, the ass end of it. Um, but if it wasn't for me giving him the option to stay at the Academy, I don't think he'd be alive today. He would have definitely committed suicide for losing everything on that. You know, that's, that's a, that's a tough one. <laughs> I mean, you literally saved someone's yeah. life so like, right then and there. Cause they trust us as. A community i think we all get a lot of people who the gym is their community the gym's their family and you hear that a lot so the fact he was able to come to you with it and really talk about it that's thank you for that i appreciate that danielle same thing oh, tell us about one. someone that or the people you train work with how have you impacted their lives i'm sure there's tons yeah, it's hard to pinpoint one. You know, I, I talked about Mon, my, my farmer that's um, actually, he just turned 90 and his wife is in one of my other group classes. And I think with my seniors, that's where my heart touches the most because not only um, when we were able to go back into group classes, my in-studio classes are small. Now they're running like with all the everything. We have three, four, when we were running 30, um, and they're, they're gaining steam, but my senior class, when they came back around, I had 52 show up, um, in a huge gymnasium. We could fit it. What was in a community center. Um, and you know, they came back to me and, and I asked them, I said, for the younger community that isn't coming back into the gyms, why, why are you here today? And they said, we understand the preciousness and our life is coming to the end. And every day we get to be with you gives us one more it, you know, we're taking care of ourselves. When you're younger, you think, oh, the stress of the kids and I'll do that later. I'll take care of me later. I'll take care of me later. And, you know, it was unanimous with my seniors that say, you know, take care of you now, because if you're not okay, and this is our whole refuel, you can't help others when you are empty. And this is sucking people dry. And so um, it's why we do what we do. And um, that to give you one story it's 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 hard to do because it's over and over and over it's a happy place and encouraging people to get back out there and give themselves that time um to take care of themselves and stop running on empty and fear and put your cell phone down put the news down for that hour and get back to your local gym get back to your kickboxing get back to whatever gave you joy passion and energy to to go on um and and that's what our industry is about so sorry it's not one specific no it's okay <laughs> um, but i think it's a very good general to say you know uh, we need to take care of ourselves because nobody is going to take care of you like you can take care of yourself I mean, I, just to hop onto your point a little bit right there, uh, I think they showed, I think it was the month of May. Don't quote me in the month. It might have been May or April. I'm not sure. I'll get the 
in the show notes though. Suicide rate doubled. Anxiety rate tripled. Depression tripled in that month alone compared to any other year before. So I might have to blame somewhat of gyms being closed because that's why people work out. They go to help fix the depression. They go to help fix their anxiety. They have drug abuse has tripled, but what do people, what's their outlet? If you have an addictive personality and you don't want to commit to booze or cocaine or whatever it is, you turn to the gym and you see a lot of people who get addicted to working out because they're putting it into a positive thing instead of a negative thing, which should destroy their lives. So I appreciate that, but let's go. Mike, same question, buddy, go for it. Yeah. I mean, I think it's hard to pinpoint one. I mean, we have, you know, multiple hundred pound weight loss people. Right. And I would say every one of those people saved their own life. You know, at that point, uh, these are people that needed to lose over a hundred pounds. Um, I think you can talk, you can talk about people save their own lives going to a gym in so many different ways, whether it's losing weight or whether it's coming to the gym and letting off that steam so that you don't take it out on somebody else. Uh, there's just so many different factors to why a gym is helping people enhance their life, save their life, save others' lives. You know, you, you could just talk about law enforcement or military, the guys that, and girls that come to the gym to stay fit to do their jobs properly. Uh, during, during the shutdown, you know, we had, we had uh, EMTs and some firefighters, and they were jumping on Zoom calls, you know, and doing workouts, you know, because they're just like, I need to de-stress right now. So we were doing workouts for them and they were just kind of letting it out and just kind of getting it out there. There's a million things, you know, I think you touched on something earlier that I wanted to say something about, but public opinion, you know, public opinion is not necessarily on our side. You know, um, I, I remember seeing lots of different times where a fitness industry person would talk about how we're essential and get, get smashed because people are like, what are you talking about? Go work out in your house, go to the park. What do you got to lift weights for? So I think a bigger, a bigger thing is somehow figuring out the marketing. Again, if we're, if we're unified and we have one message and then really have some good marketing behind that, to start to really deliver that message to the public about what gyms do and what, what, you know, where we're at and how safe we are and get public opinion on our side. Because I don't think we have it, and I, that's not a good thing for us. Yeah, Charlie is agreeing with you. Public opinion is not on... No. Not on our side. That's why we don't. That's why they don't say anything about it. I, I. That's why I really ask the hard questions to you guys is because I do these shows and I can't tell you how many people reach out to me and say exactly what you just said. Why can't people work out in their homes? Why can't people work out outside? The gym's unsafe. The gyms aren't clean. Why do we need gyms? It's more than you guys think. And maybe it's because, at least personally, I used to think a lot more people were on my side because I was in my bubble of my gym. The second I stepped out of that bubble, the second things started getting really real where I would have conversations with people that totally agree with what's going on. They totally think that gyms should have these kind of regulations. They're convinced. I had three people yesterday alone ask for a refund on their membership back from March. <laughs> yeah. March. So they expect they, uh, I did it. Cause I feel like a horrible person. I don't know their financial situation, but they reached out to get refunds back from me closing in March. Not thinking, Oh my God, this is a small business struggling. 
like they don't care. They're like, oh, wait till a vaccine. They don't think that we deserve it. So it's understanding we need to work together. We need to give and take. So I, I really appreciate that point. But Christina, same question. Talk to us about the clients and stuff like that. Go for it. Well, it's okay. Sorry. Um, it's going to go on for a bit now. Um, do you yeah, we'll skip? skip it because we got that background noise. Okay, All right, I think it stopped. It. I think it stopped. It's a phone inside a pocket. Um, the, the, you know, again, it's very hard to just pinpoint one story as everybody was speaking. I was kind of going through uh, some of the stories here at our school, but um, we have one of the things for us is we have parents come to us um, to have like a one-on-one -on -one meeting about their child and some of the struggles they're having in school. Bullying is one of them. It's 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 so bad. It's so severe. Some of the things that the kids are going through, and on that on that piece kids in their teens and younger, even 11 or 12 years old, having thoughts of suicide because wow. of the bullying. It's constant. Wow. It's, it's very, very, it's more than people think. And this is why I always talk about the kids here. And so we've had parents come to us on a one-on-one -on -one meeting to talk to us. What can, what can we, you further do for my kid because they're struggling in this emotional way. And the things that we're able to offer here, you know, just for kids, we've, we've had kids improve in school. We've had kids improve emotionally. We've, we have kids who want to be here more than they want to be anywhere else that being school their friends or even at home um and there's a, a a ton of kids who we've supported in that way who don't come back who haven't come back some have and some have not and, my, and we call them and we try to get them to come back and even if they're not paying we don't care we just want them back and 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 they don't they're they're just too scared to come back in here and the effects of that worry me because i'm also a teacher and I know what goes on. I know what goes on in school. I know what goes on with my own children who are not in school normally. And, you know, we, we try to give them everything they need. And there are kids who are left behind who don't get that type of support. And they need this here. Um, that just, for me, that's, a, that's a, a really, really big struggle for me to wrap my head around. Where are these kids and what's happening to them? Um, like I said before, we call. We try to get them in for, for no payment. We tell them, you don't have to pay anything. Just bring your kid in. Um, and they don't. And so that's, that's really nice of you. It's a big piece for us. Thank you for that. I appreciate that. Sophia, same question. Uh, I mean, we're open a little bit more than five years to really think about one particular person. The reason why I haven't tapped out just yet, um, because at times I think it would be easier. Reason why I persevere and I don't tap out or because of our members because of their stories because when someone tells you hey i've lost 100 pounds hey if i you know didn't do kickboxing the heart attack i had i would have been dead uh, the people who tell you that i'm no longer on medication for diabetes the stories go on and on it's those people that help you go on going back to mike about public opinion the truth is you help get people to be their best selves, to be healthier, to have a family. Some of them are not ready to come back and just alleviating myself from the personal hurt because of the narrative that people believe that gyms may not be everything. Oh, well, I could just do it on my own. We're getting away from what is essential to a human being, the touch, the community. If that's the way life was gonna be, look at our own children who all they go back to is the Xbox or Fortnite or any of those things who do not know what it's like to speak for themselves, who don't know what it's like to stand up for themselves. 
How are these kids going to become adults? What is that going to look like? These kids are getting used to wearing a mask, being around a plexiglass. How are they going to be as adults? You know, are they going to be able to make do? Um, so what is that going to look like for people as, as we move on um, with the way things are going to be? So yes, we help people get into be the best shelf, their best selves. Um, I don't really have one particular story to share with you, Anthony. I just know that we need to stay as focused as we can so that we can help more lives. I hope that our members, all of your members, my members, don't see me as being this huge conglomerate and say they're killing it in the money. They made that PPP and don't worry about them because that's really not the case. We're there to support them. I hope they there and understand that we need to feed our families just like they need to feed their families and we'll help them get into the best shape of their lives, whether it's a day, two days, a year, and whether they have our backs with this crisis that's going on, I still have to do what I have to do. Seem like everybody else. I couldn't agree more. I mean, I liked what you said. If we were doing this industry, we didn't do it for the money. I always bring up the point. I could easily right now own a real estate office, be making a lot of money, be deemed essential already, and not have any issues in the world. But you know what? I do this exactly the same reason all of you do this. I have saved and helped so many people. I've given so many people hope we're at the brink of giving up that it's that alone is the best payment I could mm -hmm. ever get in my life. And unfortunately, it doesn't pay my bills, but it's something that makes me go on and makes me want to fight because they're worth it. It's not for me, it's for them. And I think that's the biggest take home point from all of this. We do this for our clients. So last question guys, and it's a really simple one. And then if any final comments, throw it in there as well. Is the cure worse than the disease? Marcel, we'll start with you. Is the cure worse than disease? And do you have any final comments before we log off? Hold on, I gotta unmute you. <laughs> Right, oh man, it. that's like a sensitive subject. To be honest, I think this is, uh, I mean, I lost like seven people with the disease, but they already had predetermined issues. So I think they just blew this out of proportion. It became a political game, you know, and that now we're just, unfortunately, we're stuck on a ride that we're trying to get off and we're, you know, it's, it's not helping us or more, most of the people, you know, and I get it. In the beginning was like, we didn't have no facts, no nothing. And we did what we had to do. But after a certain time, it's not fair to choose who can open and who can't and screw everybody else. You know, and again, I lost seven people this year. Uh, the closest one was my barber since I was in fifth grade. Um, wow. You know, that, that won't hurt the most. Um, everybody else, obviously, as well. But I grew up with the guy. But again, he had a predetermined issue, you know, and he he stayed home. He did everything he had to do. He ended up passing, you know, but. We need to just get back on board and get everybody healthy and get this brainwashery out that we're evil and we're not, you know, they need us more than, than people can imagine. You know, that's just my two cents on all this. No, I appreciate that. Danielle, same question. I, um, I definitely think that the cure is worse than, than the disease. Um, but I think what we're doing, uh, what Charlie is leading, trying to get us all together on the same board and, um, 
us owners that care about the people more than the profits, we are all on board to do everything we need to continue to care for our, our people. And the profits are, like you said, they don't always come in a dollar sign. They come in, you know, those, those heart payments and you watch families build and you watch kids thrive and you watch grandparents. I, I work with clients, grandparents and grandchildren in the same workout. Um, you know, that that's why we do what we do. And we're happy to step up. Many of us already um, were uh, above and beyond what we were expected to do because we cared about our people. And, um, you know, we, we're all in the fight and we hope our brothers and sisters who are continuing to, to go for the fight and we we our hearts hurt for um, people like Marcel that has gave his life to his passions and his people and and he there's an end of the line at some point for all of us and we hope that um, the end of the line is soon for the control we have or to get on board that we can move forward be essential um, and have the state recognize what's good for the people um, and not just their their pockets. I appreciate that. Thank you, Mike. I hope you're not having technical difficulties, but you keep hopping in and out. <laughs> can you guys hear me? You're going out a little bit. Go for it. See if we can get it. All right. Well, what was the question, though? Because the difficulties were happening while you asked. <laughs> it's all right. Is the cure worse than the disease? It's the final question. And any final thoughts you have adding on top of that? Is the cure worse than the disease? I mean, it's it's turning out like that, isn't it? You know. Um, yeah, I, I think at the beginning they were doing what they needed to do to try to save us, and now that we've gotten through it, they're, they're again, they're not changing their their, they're not changing based on evidence. They're just staying with what they thought before, and that's not how to do it. And so at this point, all they're doing is hurting people. Um, they're definitely hurting more than they're saving. So you know, I, I think there's a time to modify. You know, just because you believed something once doesn't mean you got to stick to that for the rest of your life. You can you can change based on evidence. And they have to change their their approach uh, to help people now, and they're and they're not, but they're not doing it for for a lot of different reasons, and a lot of those things are political. There's all there's a whole slew of other reasons why they're not changing their approach. So it sucks for us because it has not, it has a lot less to do with helping us at this point, right? So we all know that. So it's 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 a tough one to deal with, I think. All right, thank you for that, buddy. I appreciate it, Christina. Same question to you. So, you know, just to kind of piggyback off of what everybody else said, I think the way that we've evolved since March and April, absolutely, we have made it so that the cure is worse than the disease in the way that we're functioning or we're being made to function. And I think that just starts with Marcel's story and triple bankruptcy right then and there. Uh, that could have been avoided. And I'm not saying for you, Marcel, I'm saying you, it should, you, you should not have had to come to that point personally to do that. Um, but the thing that just that bugs me the most and it, it makes me really upset is I've, I've had good friends tell me, um, yeah, you should be closed. To, to my face, I've known for years, you should be closed. You, don't, you, you should not be open, you're harmful. And my response is, essential or not, it doesn't matter, right? I have, I have a family to feed. Mm -hmm. I have a family to feed. So, so why is it that that business over there gets to thrive and make so much money during this pandemic? Because they were allowed to be open, right? Or even afterwards because they opened so early. But yet I, I'm, I'm here and I just can't feed my family and that's okay? because I chose to invest in this particular business so my kids don't get food. I don't understand that. So essential or not, I don't care. 
I have a business, so we need to figure out how to make it work for everybody so that people like Marcel don't have to file for triple bankruptcy. And that's absolutely, the cure is worse than the disease today. I, I, I'm totally on your side. I've had family, friends, like it gets people, people I grew up with telling yeah. me that, yes, gyms deserve to be closed. Governor Cuomo is doing a great job. That's, that's hard. I've broken down crying and I don't really cry that much in front of my family for saying that to me. And it, it, there needs, something needs to change. I mean, like Charlie was saying, like, if we are, if you're going to keep us closed, if you think we're that like unregulated, pay us, give us something to pay our mortgages off. Something exactly. to hold on. I'll stay closed. If you think I, it's that harmful to it, if, you if you want to, I'll stay closed, you know, but give me an opportunity to pay my bills. Absolutely, 100%. We didn't get that. Nothing, nothing at all. And, and I, I'm holding back from what I really want to say, but I'm just trying to keep it <laughs> not as angry as I am. Uh, we've had some uh, outlashes on the show, if you can imagine. <laughs> so no worries. <laughs> Sophia, same question, last person but not least. Uh, thank you, Anthony. Um, I'll go with what... Um... Charlie just posted, you know, the, the first response was closed businesses. Let's get an assessment. What's going on? Let's save lives. Uh, but now let's, let's move forward. Now are the lockdowns are the economic hardships that we're experiencing right now? Are they worse? They are absolutely the worst. And how do we move forward with that? I appreciate Charlie. He's making history. This guy he, it's, it's not just about COVID. My concern is this particular situation was about COVID. We're unregulated. The fact that someone can close our business and determine how long we stay closed for. And like Christina said, to not pay, look at the message that we're arguing with our families, whether or not it's acceptable for us to open our business, for people to decide whether or not I put food on my children's table. Now, my situation is a little different because my husband was deemed essential. If he wasn't, what would that have looked like for my family? Is this an acceptable narrative that is being shared across the country or across our state that we do not deserve to feed our families? This is heartbreaking. So if we, as an industry, do not rise up and really get some control, some regulations in place so that the next pandemic that strikes, and there will be one, there will always be one, that we are not shut down. So that is more important to us going long term. We're hopeful that most of us will make it. We don't tap out and we stay strong, we stay unified, and we have a strong voice. Anthony, I had to kind of look at myself. At first, I was like, should I volunteer to be on this podcast? Do I become vocal? It's been very difficult to become vocal or share my opinions or how I feel about my business because someone is going to give me backlash. So we stay in our bubble afraid. If your own family does not support you and does not give you the opportunity to see your perception, why would I share that on social media? Why would I put myself out there to be on this podcast, Anthony? Um, I'm trying. I'm trying every day 
while we open up our studio to tell people you have to do this. If you don't move your body, if you don't eat right, if you don't gain control of your life, that's all you got is your health. I'm trying to convince you to make that decision. Now I'm trying to give you an opportunity to see my perception, my opinion and my personal, my professional opinion that not only are we essential, that we should open to feed our families. I'm trying to convince you that that's important. This is, this is the conversation. So we have to, you know, be upfront about it. And whether or not we get some backlash, I'm, I'm, I'm ready to stand firm to say we have to stay united. We have to stay as an industry and we have to come to the table together so that we can have our industry be recognized as the industry that's making a difference. A difference. We're being proactive. Why is it acceptable for someone to go to a doctor to spend several thousand dollars to see a doctor to get their medication, but it's not deemed essential for them to spend a thousand dollars at a gym? We have to really change this. So we have to really stay strong. It's going to be a difficult battle, but we have to stay strong on that. Um, yeah, thanks, Charlie. Just like with the governor, I'm reading Charlie's comments because I appreciate Charlie for taking that stance. He has a family. He's putting himself out there, and I appreciate his voice, and he's giving me the strength to say we got to stay united. I appreciate you, Anthony, for doing this. I appreciate for all of you to be on the, on the call with me, and thank you for letting me find my own voice to say we have to stand together. Thank you. I, I really appreciate that, and I kind of want to just briefly for 10 seconds talk about something you mentioned. At what point do you become vocal? I can't tell you how many conversations I had in my den with my fiance talking about that question. At what point do I put my foot down? At what point do I say, we've had enough, we need to do something? And I was afraid, like all of you, I was afraid the second I said something, I'd get backlash. I was afraid that my business was going to be broken into. I, I was afraid. I hung an American flag up in my window. And I want you to know when I opened up for phase B, because I thought personal training was a professional service. I got the cops called on me. And the reasoning was because I hung an American flag up and I don't deserve to be open. So that was my tipping point. Okay. I can't hang my country's flag. You don't think I deserve to be open. So you know what? This is where I put my foot down because you know what? I have been on phone calls with my clients, like I'm sure all of you have, during this shutdown with tears coming down their eyes because I'm, I'm their source of hope and I'm not there. So I think of them. I think of those people's lives that I'm saving. I lost clients because my, of my stance. But the ones that came back, the ones that you know saw what I did for them throughout their lives stood by me. So yes, I lost some but I gained trust in my members because I know I'm doing the right thing. I've had fights with my family. I've had fights with my friends. And I agree with the comment I'm, I'm keeping up there. We have to try not to put a target on our back, which is why I asked you guys those questions about what do we, it's a give and take relationship. And if we learned that as a country, I don't think we would be where we are today. I think we'd be a lot more unified, give and take on every side. So thank you guys so much for coming on this. Uh, it means a lot. We obviously, like I said, we just want to get our word out. So please, guys, subscribe to the show. 
share this out. We need to get the word out. This, these are we are real people. There, we are real people's lives that this is impacting. This isn't some made up Jim Lunk thing. So get the word out. Talk to people. Do what you need to do. And hopefully, hopefully, we can deem ourselves essential and we can live for a better tomorrow. Thank you guys so much for coming on. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you dude.